Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Jill Coleman, a fitness expert who is living her best life all through her passion for coaching in the area of mindset, body, and business. In the midst of my dietitian career, I did what we all do sometimes, take a little step back from all the things we learned and see what other approaches are out there to best help our clients. During my research, a website called Metabolic Effect caught my eye in which Jill Coleman was a co-founder. She has a degree in exercise science and a master's in human nutrition. Her contributions to this site led me to a slight girl crush and following her own business called Jill Fit, where she shares her down-to-earth approach to living a healthy lifestyle with awesome workout programs, inspiration and mindfulness coaching, her Moderation 365 approach to eating, and the podcast she does with her friend, Danny Johnson, The Best Life Podcast. Please enjoy my conversation with Jill. So maybe start, start me out with your background and how you got started into this atmosphere. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for that. That's so, so sweet. Um, I, yeah, so growing up, I was, you know, just an athlete. So I was one of those really lucky people who just fell in love with exercise early on. And I got my first gym, my first job at a gym when I was 15, just to get a free membership. So I've always been interested in health and fitness um, and science. Went to school for exercise science, went to, I grew up in Boston and actually went to North Carolina for school, ended up getting um, my degree in exercise science. And after that, getting a full-time job in fitness. So I was lucky enough to be able to stay in the industry and work full-time as the fitness coordinator at my alma mater. And from there, I started personal training like crazy. I started um, doing fitness competitions. I was really steeped heavily in an extreme kind of fitness and uh, nutrition lifestyle. I ended up getting my master's degree in nutrition and was doing a lot of competitions and really kind of chasing a lot of maybe kind of like the perfect body or maybe like some ego pursuits. For me, it was about winning. And for maybe listeners who don't know what a fitness competition is, it's basically kind of a combination between bodybuilding and maybe like a beauty pageant. You're supposed to be really lean, you're supposed to be really fit takes a lot of discipline in terms of your nutrition and you get up on stage maybe like 10-12% body fat so extreme levels and you compete on kind of who has the best body it's kind of a weird thing especially for us women that we would maybe subject ourselves to something like that but for me I liked the idea of being someone who could sacrifice and who could really diet really hard and do more exercise than other people and, and be so steeped in that world of extreme fitness. For me, it felt like a badge of honor. And it also, for me at the time, made me feel like I was a little bit more credentialed and qualified to be a coach and be a you know personal trainer or a fitness coach. And I spent about six years kind of just chasing trophies and tr- chasing magazine covers and really doing a lot of kind of ego-based pursuits. It wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I was so obsessed with food and I'm sure you you know you have plenty of clients like this that just you know it's this constant calculation constant counting and measuring of macros and calories and points and all this kind of stuff and I got to the point where exercise and eating felt like a full-time job 
at least a full-time mental job. And so it was in my late 20s that I was like, you know what? I can't keep living this way. This is obscene. I started my business at jillfit.com at that point as a blog. And I was like, I need to figure this out. I need to figure out a way to eat normally, eat healthfully, eat moderately and balanced, which up until that point felt like failure. It was honestly, if I had eaten moderately or eaten more balanced, it would have felt like not good enough. And so then when I transitioned into more of a moderate approach, um, I kind of came up with the concept of moderation 365, which is my nutrition philosophy. And it took me about three years to fully go from kind of an all or nothing mindset around food to being able to eat the same on Saturday that I do on Monday. And then I turned that into a curriculum that now I teach. So that's kind of the long and short of it. <laughs> well, and, and having a master's in nutrition, I mean, you know, all the ins and outs of nutrition. So you kind of figured I'm going to follow this hardcore regimen yep. and then you realize you just burn out with it at some point. You know, I think it's one of those things where, and you'd probably know this, it's like you can gather all the information, you can have all the biochemistry, you can know all the science, but no one's really teaching, especially in that curriculum or maybe the RD curriculum too, no one's teaching like habit change. No one is really teaching about mindset around food. And so what happened was I was just going, hey, this is the perfect diet, right? This is quote, the clean diet. This is the perfect diet. I should just be able to follow this. And what I kept finding myself was I just couldn't follow it. I was like, why am I, why am I having such a hard time with this? Why can't I be compliant? I look around and see other people doing it fine and feel really alone in the struggle. And I remember feeling just really weak uh, and really kind of undisciplined and, and why can't I follow this? And so there really wasn't at that time, this is maybe 2010, 2009, there wasn't really a conversation around, um, you know, compliance and shame and guilt and remorse around eating behaviors. It was very much black and white. Like here's the perfect diet, just follow it. And if you can't follow it, I don't know what to tell you. You just have to be better. And to me that left a lot of um, questions in my mind about, like, why can't I just follow this diet? Why am I having such a hard time adhering to it? And that's when I started really diving into things like habit change, the psychology of change, um, you know, self-compassion work, Brene Brown's work, like, and kind of was like, okay, it's actually okay. Um, and I need to be able to work with my own, you know, unique psychological sensitivities, metabolism. And it kind of opened up a whole new world where I didn't have to be this like black and white, all or nothing kind of dieter. And I think it's great because you've had that own personal experience with you and your own personal journey. And that's how it seems to me that you apply that to your business as well as fitness coaching, as well as eating that whole mindset change. I think that's what you try to, to get across in all of your entities. You know, I appreciate you saying that. It's one of those things that it can be, I think, really tough to trust yourself. Really, it comes down to trusting yourself, right? Whatever you're trying to do, if you're trying to eat better, if you're trying to transform the way your body looks, you're trying to be consistent in the gym, you're trying to build an online business, you're trying to, uh, you know, cultivate your relationships, do personal development work. Um, it comes down to a level of self-trust that I don't know that you can really get to if you don't have the experience, give yourself the opportunity to have the experience. I'm super grateful for the years of extreme dieting because I don't know that I would have been able to find the middle if I hadn't had the experience of being so extreme. And so I think for a lot of people, it comes down to how can I trust myself? And that's really scary because we want to just follow a diet. We want to just follow some someone else's rules or some diet that we see our friend doing and they're losing weight. And I think it's really just irresistible to want to slot ourselves into some sort of XYZ plan and assume that we're going to get the same result as someone else. And when that doesn't happen you know, we're feeling really let down. We feel really discouraged. We feel really disappointed. We question ourselves. 
And it's recognizing that. And a lot of the mindset work that I do is around just introspection, just even noticing what your feelings are. So for me, it took me years to even notice that I was feeling guilty and that I was feeling remorseful and I was feeling shame around my food behaviors. And when you acknowledge that, you go, okay, what can I then do differently? So there's the awareness piece. Then there's the more the tactical, like, okay, how do I get out of this rut? How do I, how do I get out of this like kind of self-hatred, self uh, loathing space or feeling of not good enough. And so it's a, it's a practice and it's a journey. And I think a lot of people don't want to take the time to figure that out because it feels, um, you know, it's not as sexy as maybe a sh- some sort of shiny object. <laughs> and I, it is not as simple as just adjusting your food. Like you said, it's that um, mindset and it's all about kind of what other personal things are going on in your life and how you react to things and how you think about things. So I feel like your approach to both fitness and nutrition because you need to have you need to have some serious conversations with yourself yes you really do and it's like you know i think it's important to find maybe a coach or a mentor even who can encourage you to find your own way i think what we see a lot in the fitness and health space is people saying well this worked for me so this is the way to do it whether that's following macros or whether that's you know counting and measuring or counting points or doing intermittent fasting or keto or whatever there's always going to be an endless amount of options and what i would encourage people to do is find a mentor or a coach or someone who gives you the freedom to and makes you feel supported as you are creating what's going to work for you and going like, cool, that might not look like anything else that's out there, but it's also working for you. So that's okay. And that's encouraging the person to have more um, self-trust and really trusting that they can handle it. It's not going to look like what someone else is doing and that's okay. I think as humans, we crave certainty. So we just go, well, just give me the food list. And as long as I have the food list, then I'm safe. And and I think, unfortunately, it just doesn't tend to work like that, at least for in the long term. Well, and I think... I think that's very applicable to a business sense too. So like you've created this online business that you do lots of different things. You do coaching, you do fitness challenges, you do all these different Mm -hmm. things. And I think as fitness and wellness professionals, we're kind of headed into that sphere where that online business is a huge thing. And how do you, you know, like how do you get over the comparison between other people doing the same thing that you're doing? Gosh, it is, um, it's such a great question and it's so applicable across industries. So, you know, the first time I experienced it was, of course, in the fitness and health space where someone else is getting really lean or getting shredded or following a diet and you're going, oh, maybe I should just do that. And there's so there's this kind of irresistible pull to c- contrast and compare. Same thing in business. It's the exact same thing. So the way that you're going to build your business is going to look so different than how other people are doing things. But again, as like certainty craving creatures, we want to just, you know, follow someone's three-step plan to you know make six figures this month and we just want that again that certainty that craving that blueprint and, and certainly i think there are best practices just like there are in fitness and nutrition there are best practices that we know of but the um the temptation to compare yourself can be really debilitating especially when you're first getting started so i find when i work with new entrepreneurs it's usually the first like six to nine months that they have the hardest time mindset wise, because number one, they're going from someone who's maybe historically been a consumer of information. Maybe they're doing other people's programs. They're buying other people's courses to being a creator where they're the one who are putting on the challenges and creating the products and services. So that mindset shift of, oh, I don't have to follow the pack anymore. I get to be the one who creates the stuff. 
that's a huge mindset shift. And then at the beginning, you don't really have any wins yet. You don't really know that you're good in that space. You might be a successful personal trainer. You might be a successful dietitian seeing clients across a desk, but you don't really feel confident on the internet quite yet because it's a little bit of a different animal. And so at the the very beginning, that first six to nine months, there's a lot of mindset obstacles that you need to overcome because you don't have a show of evidence that you're good yet. And once you start to build that confidence, you take on one client at a time and you go, okay, great. What did I learn from this client? How can I build my confidence here? And confidence is area specific. So like I said, you have to get some wins in that new space to feel like, okay, I don't need to compare myself to other people because I can see that what I'm doing is working and you need to have that full experience. So, and I think a lot of people give up in that first six months because they're still kind of wading through. They're wading through the waters. They don't really have those wins. They feel frustrated that it's not happening fast enough. They're having to constantly manage their expectations. And they're also going, man, this is pretty hard. It's the same thing if you want to change your body, right? We get excited at the beginning. Everything is fresh and new and, and exciting. And then, you know, a couple months in, six months in, you're like, this is getting boring. Or there's, you know, there's the, the pull to do something different starts coming at you. And the same thing in business. People are pro- overpromising. Marketing is crazy. And so you have to have the resiliency and the tenacity to keep pushing when it's not glamorous. Same thing with dieting. Same thing with building your business. You have to have that tenacity to keep pushing even when it's not super fun every second and you're not getting a ton of likes and shares and comments on your posts. You have to be like, cool, I love what I what I stand for. I love my message. I would do this whether I was getting paid or not to do it. And then when you're creating from that space, in my experience, it's the people who are doing it, whether or not they would get paid, that end up being the most successful. That's interesting. I love, I like that perspective because I also like how you mentioned the necessity to have a coach because I feel like maybe that's what, that's where you should start. Like having someone to talk to about where you want your business to go. You know, I actually, I I will never not have a coach because what I find is there's like two types of people. There's kind of the the do-it-yourselfers, which I was at for a really long time. For me, I was like, oh, I'll figure it out myself. Just the idea of investing in um, something that wasn't a tangible good. Like, okay, I'm going to invest in a new television or I'm going to invest in a new car, but I'm not going to invest in something that I could see as common sense. I think for me, for a long time, I felt like coaching was just like common sense. I just need to like read a book or like there's you know blogs, free blogs on the internet. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I kept saying to myself, well, I'll just figure it out myself. I'll figure it out myself. And the reality was I kept not figuring it out myself. I just like six months later, a year later, I still hadn't done the research that I thought I was going to do. I still hadn't put together the playbook that I thought I was going to put together. And so the reality was things weren't changing. And at that point... I started becoming the second type of person, which is someone who who invests and someone who is constantly investing themselves personal development-wise, business-wise. And even now that I'm the most successful I've ever been, I'm still always going to invest. To me, the more I invest in my business and invest in myself, the more successful I become. And it's literally just that linear. And so for some people that do it yourselfers, I think that can get you a certain amount of the way there. And then from there you go, okay, how can I now access either maybe someone who has information that I don't or access to someone who can guide me or someone who has is further along or even just resources that I wouldn't get otherwise. So a lot of what I do is investing in masterminds. So it's not really necessarily a coaching program, at least now for for sure I needed a coach early on. Now I don't really need a coach to tell me what to do. I kind of know what to do, but I need um, access to other high level kind of, uh, I would say, high 
high performers. I need people who are at the level who are kind of maybe six months or a year ahead of me in terms of their business success and have access to resources that I wouldn't get otherwise. So I, I, for me, investment is a value system. And I think once you make that shift, you'll never go back because you'll just see how much more you get done as a result of it. Well, and that's what we expect our clients to do. We want them to invest in us. So it's the same thing that you have to invest in yourself to keep to keep advancing yourself. So that's very important. And I like how you said that you might have to change your coach. Like you might have to advance it or switch it up or find different resources to kind of help you where you're at in your business. Oh, you have to. I mean, I think wherever, like a couple things that if people are looking for some sort of coach or mentor, one thing to keep in mind is, you know, probably personality wise, because so coaches are so different, right? Coaching styles vary. So I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine, Nagar Fanuni, who is also a coach. And, you know, we're having this conversation and she's been doing a little bit of business coaching. And she was like, I just hate business coaching. She's like, I just love, she's doing more like life coaching and people get on the phone with her and just like ball for an hour. And she's coaching them through like their marriage and divorce and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, I just love that. I love being able to connect with someone on that like deep, highly emotional level. For me, I'm kind of the opposite. I can go there and we can talk, you know, we can talk relationships and we can talk about stuff. I'm way more like tactical strategy. So a lot of the people that are more attracted to me as a coach are people who just are like, cool, I got it. Like I'm good to go mindset. I'll do my own kind of mindset work. I just need someone to give me the strategy stuff. And we just tick off. Like I'm very, everyone knows that I'm kind of like an action taker. I'm like, cool, I'm going to hold you to it. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to baby you. I mean, I'm certainly going to be kind and empathetic and I'm not never going to judge, but I'm also going to, you know, light a little bit of fire under your ass and like keep you accountable because I know that you can take a lot more action than you're taking. And so when you go to get a coach, make sure that like their style or the way that they do their business or their fitness and nutrition is in line with how you either you currently do it or how you want to be doing it. And so look at the personality type. Like, are they living the lifestyle that you want? Are they making the kind of money that you want? Are they, you know, do they have the kind of ease and freedom that you want to have? So you kind of want to go, um, who is kind of at the level that I want to be in maybe a year from now or five years from now and make sure personality wise that you line up. If you're, if you can't, have a conversation and your coach isn't listening to you or they're not, you know, kind of uh, hearing you. I think that's, that's a little bit of an issue. So you can constantly do a little bit of an intake on that a little bit of an audit of like, is this working? And also if you need additional resources, maybe right now you're at a fitness and nutrition coach, but you're like, cool, I want to do business coaching. Awesome. Who out in the space is doing really well at that. And then approach them and say, Hey, do you do business coaching? That's how I would start. I wouldn't wait for to see something in your timeline on Facebook. I would actually just go to the person who you want, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't wait for a market. Yeah. across your feed instead go and actually reach out to the person that you want to learn from and ask them if they even do coaching and they a lot of times they actually do and you just don't know it well and i mean you didn't start out business coaching that's not something that you started out doing so how did you get interested in that ask that part of your business yeah, such a great question. I actually like had a slap in the face, kind of. I mean, I was I was building JoeFit, and I was a nutrition and health expert, like nutrition and fitness expert, and I was putting out a lot of nutrition and fitness content. We were doing a lot of meal planning for clients. Um, a lot of one-on-one fat loss coaching at Jill Fit. And about 18 months in, I had brought on five additional coaches. So basically, I would do the marketing. People would come in. They'd want to work with Jill Fit. And I would say, great. And I would hand it off to one of my coaches. So all my coaches were maxed out. I was maxed out. And I go like, okay, cool. 
I'm good at fitness and nutrition, but I have no idea what I'm doing in business. And at that point, we had built a pretty decent readership. I was pretty consistent on blogging. This is kind of when blogging was kind of a big thing. People were reading a lot, 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 lot of long form content. Um, and I said, you know what? I don't really know everything, but I was able to build Jill Fit to a six figure business within in the first year. And so I was like, I don't really know everything, but I know at least some stuff. And at, at 18 months in, I was able to quit my full time job and do this full time, but I didn't know how to leverage it. We were doing all one-on-one meal coaching, like meal planning and stuff, which is awesome, except we were all maxed out. So I was like, okay, cool. I have no idea how to build a course. I have no idea how to do marketing. I was literally, my sales pages were just like a buy button. <laughs> like that was all my sales page was. So at that point, I realized that I needed help. And I reached out to someone in the industry who um, was at that time kind of what I wanted to create. She's about five years ahead of me in terms of her vision. She had a couple of books out. She was writing a column with Women's Health. She she was, you know, really financially successful at that time. And she said, sure, I do coaching. Let's jump on the phone. And she said, it's 30 minutes and it's $375. And I was like, what? Like as a personal trainer, that like that felt, yeah. I was charging like $50 for 30 minutes. And here's someone who's charging $375 for 30 minutes. And immediately I was like, I can't afford that. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? If she can charge that much, I have to figure out how I can charge that much. And so I put it on PayPal, got on the phone with her. And at the end of the call, she gave me some really great nuggets of wisdom and insight and strategy stuff. And at the end, she pitched me on her year-long business coaching program, and which sounded amazing. But then she told me the price tag, and the price tag was $10,000. And I was like, is she crazy? Like, literally, who has that kind of money? Like, at this point, I was not someone who invests in my business. This past year, I've, I just to give you guys like a little bit of, of kind of contrast, I've invested $77,000 in my business in the last nine months. So it's like a total shift. But at that time, $10,000, I didn't have that money. Literally, I was like, I, I can't even put this on a credit card. I don't have a line of credit that, that big. <laughs> and so at that time, I said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. And a couple of weeks went by and nothing was changing. Still nothing's changing. And then my ex-husband at the time said, you know what, Jill, we got to figure this out. You need this. Let's figure out how we can do this. And I ended up launching my first kind of business program. But at that time, it was called Best of You. And it was business and mindset and physique. It was a third, a third, a third. It was a year-long program. It was a, a mentorship. It was $1,200 for the year. And I got 14 people to sign up. And I was like ecstatic. Like, oh my God, I'm so rich. So I ended up launching the first program which was a third business in order to pay for the mastermind that I wanted to join. And after that, the program is still in existence. Best of you is about seven years old now, and now it's 100% business, but it evolved from physique and also mindset. And now it's probably 90% business, 10% mindset. So, I mean, for me, it just came to like, I don't know business. I know fitness and nutrition, but I'm not a business person. So I need to start investing in business coaching. And that was a huge shift for me. And then I just started loving it. And now I spend most of my money in business and not in health and fitness. Well, and I and I've seen the transition just from, you know, how you kind of kind of put yourself to the world cuz I don't know how you do everything that you do honestly because you're on <laughs> social media and you've got your masterminds and you're attending masterminds and I mean you're very much someone who I think a lot of people would look up to for that way that you're balancing out your life. But when you think about um kind of looking back do you think that, you know, health and fitness was your starting point that got you to business? Or do you think you always were a business person that just kind of came by way through health and fitness? Yeah, definitely not. The second thing for me, I was definitely not interested in business at all. Actually, my college boyfriend, we were together for the entire time we were in college, was a business major. 
And I couldn't have cared less to me. I was just like, I don't even know what that is. I don't want to know about it. And it wasn't until, because to me, business just felt so separate. It felt so corporate. And I was like, wait, I'm a blogger, right? I'm a personal trainer. All of my jobs ever were really physically active jobs. I'd never had a desk job. And so the idea of, I just, I was like, oh, if you do business, you're going to be sitting in a cubicle. That's what I associated it with. Um, so if you had told me, I don't know, maybe if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be doing business coaching, I literally would have been like, what are you talking about? There's no way. So for me, it was, it was a little bit of a tough transition, um, mostly because I had a lot to learn. I didn't, I had a lot to learn. I still have a lot to learn, like still have a lot to learn. I would never, um, I know how to do solopreneurship. I know how to do small business. Um, but I don't know how to do corporate business. That's not like, you know, in my wheelhouse. So if you come to me, the business coaching that we're going to be doing is personal brands, um, on the internet, a lot of solopreneurs, small, small teams. And it, it just, it's a really small niche, which is cool. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to get an MBA to be able to understand online business, internet marketing, those kind of things. You can create courses and things like that. I think it's important to have some success. I know a lot of people are business coaches and they've never actually had a successful business. Jill Fit, like I said, was a six figure business uh, within the first year before I even um, started doing any sort of business coaching. And so I think it's important to have some success uh, because, you know, a lot of us can just like study this stuff and then just regurgitate it. I think it's important to have the experience. And so business coaching for me came out of the need to, to get my own business to the next level. And then as a result of that, and I, I was, I've always said this and I still say this, which is I don't know everything, but I know enough. And I know, and all I need to be is a couple of steps ahead of the person that I'm helping. So yeah, to me, it's, it's just like health and fitness though. It's just a puzzle. Someone comes to you with a certain set of circumstances, a certain set of expertise, experiences, stories, credentials, and you get to help them create an amazing business that helps a lot of people. Same thing with health and fitness. They come to you with a unique metabolism, personal preferences, schedule, goal set, fitness level, and you get to put together a program for them that's going to work for all of those different variables. Same thing in business. And you, you found that you probably have found a new passion for business, honestly, like throughout the whole process that you have still have a passion for health and fitness, obviously, because you do moderation 365 and you can share those kind of things. But, you know, what kind of people do you feel like you target or are attracted to you the most? What type of professional? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, I think definitely probably more, there's not like so much of a demographic. I think I tend to attract super like highly educated people, to be honest, like, you know, it's a pretty small market. It's a pretty niche market of people who are highly educated. A lot of them have done a lot of research on their own, uh, fitness research, nutrition research, maybe have a lot of years, yo-yo dieting, chronic dieting. A lot of my clients, my business coaching clients have come through either a fitness program of mine or a nutrition program. So they come in via these more low hanging fruit, nutrition and fitness content. And they have maybe a transformation. Maybe they adopt moderation or they, you know, have a, transition in their fitness and then they go oh cool i didn't know that i could maybe i could start an online business i didn't know jill did business coaching and so a lot of them come in through the fitness and nutrition realm and then and then but they're also maybe professionals even probably half my audience are professionals so they go okay i need help with this and then i also want to help other people so it's an easy transition into business coaching from that perspective um I think that the the passion comes from being able to see outcomes. For me, I'm only as good as the results that my clients are getting. And so for me, I love the idea of it being so dynamic and that 
it, the industry is always changing. I think there's a lot of people who get really kind of crusty about the fact that internet is constantly changing. And they're like, I just learned Facebook ads and now it's all changed. And I think it's really easy to get frustrated by the constant, uh, maybe even just saturation of the internet. Um, and also obviously saturation of diets and nutrition and stuff like that too. It's easy to see it as a frustration. I see it as an opportunity. I think when I first got started, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't Pinterest, there weren't webinars, there wasn't a lot of these tools that now we have access to. So I always say you can see it as a pain or you can see it as a puzzle. And I love just kind of approaching it as a puzzle. And it's always changing for me. I'm kind of obsessed with staying relevant with like what's what's working now, what's not working. And I love the fact that especially with social media, people are just demanding more access. So we're having a lot more conversations in the DM. Uh, we're making ourselves a lot more accessible. When I first got in into the internet, there was like this weird feeling of if you were an online influencer, you almost were like above and you maybe didn't even like respond to people. And you kind of had this like level of, they had to have this, this special like level of access to get to you. Now people can DM a celebrity on Instagram and like maybe get a response. And I love that. I love that. It's so much more conversation. Now there's so much more transparency. There's so much more vulnerability. And I think we're just getting started in terms of what that means for opportunities for fit, for new business owners. And I think your vulnerability, like what you put out there, your content, just like your personal stories, I think that resonates with probably a lot of your viewership and people that work with you. And I think that's a key. Don't you think that's a key to put put it? Just put it out there. Don't be scared to do it. You know, I don't know that, especially with how many flavors of different types of coaches that we have now, that anyone can even get away with not pulling the curtain back on their personal stuff. I don't know that you can rest on just your expertise anymore, unless you're, you know, like someone who's maybe a PhD or someone who's a physician or something where your expertise is kind of above and beyond. Maybe you're an, like a, you're a super niche expert in something. Uh, but I've seen a lot of marketers who are, um, traditionally have been just kind of resting on their expertise or now having to start to talk about their personal life a little bit more because people want to connect with people. And so I would say first and foremost, someone is going to hire a coach that they think can relate to them, not someone who has the best information. So I think that there's a lot more leeway there than there's ever been before. So yes, you still have to get the certification. You still have to have the credentials. You still need to be safe. But at the same time, most people have around the same level of expertise and to the consumer, it all looks the same. So they're going to connect with someone who has had a shared experience with them or they feel like can get them, can understand them. So someone it's not do I get does you know, it's not like do I get Jill? It's does Jill understand me? And so the consumer is looking for that level of connection first and then maybe competency and expertise second. I think you have to have both of those. I think you need to be an expert authority and you need to have the competency to help someone, but you also have to be human and you have to have the relatedness piece, which the vulnerability and the transparency that we're seeing now on the internet is really allowing for so much deeper connection than we've ever had. And to me, it's amazing because yes, there's a lot of comparison and things like that going on the internet, but you know, I think people are feeling a lot less alone than they ever have. So a lot of stuff that's ha happening behind closed doors is now being more normalized and neutralized, which to me is nice. It's kind of just like we get to dispel a lot of guilt and shame that maybe we've had around certain situations. So uh, you had mentioned a little bit about around my relationship. I, I came out publicly within the last year talking about my ex-husband's affair and it was and our divorce and all that kind of stuff. And that was really shameful and really embarrassing for a long time. I'm not, I don't feel that way anymore, but 
coming out and talking about that, so many people like came out of the woodwork just to say like, wow, I would never have guessed that this was going on. I've had a similar situation. I can understand this. It makes me just connect with you so much deeper. And so for a lot of us, you know, maybe content creators or experts or whatever it is, like influencer, we have to figure out, you know, what are we willing to share and how deep are we willing to go? And I don't think everyone has to. I'm just saying, but you have the opportunity to connect so much more deeply if you're willing to pull back the curtain a little bit and kind of show your struggles and not be a downer about it, not be a complainer, but also give that maybe uplifting turnaround that can help someone in their journey as well. Is that kind of why you guys started your podcast? Yes. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So the podcast is called The Best Life Podcast. And honestly, so um, I do it with my friend, Danny J. And the two of us were just like, no, we have a lot to say, a lot of like juicy topics that we want to talk about. There wasn't really another platform or medium to do it. And we were already having all these conversations anyway. And Danny kind of went through something very similar. Her husband ended up having an affair as well. She's kind of like, maybe you're behind my journey. She came out to Los Angeles where I was living at the time. And we kind of just connected really deeply on the shared experience of, you know, kind of the betrayal and, and working through that and the mindset shifts that need to happen as a result of that. And we were having all these conversations anyway. And we're like, hey, let's let's think about and so the reason why it's called the best life podcast is because we were sitting there in my little tiny apartment in Santa Monica. It's right by the pier in LA. Um, and it was actually such a small place. It was so expensive in LA. It was like ridiculously, the rent is like $3,500, but it's such a small place. And it was, we had, it's so small that there's nowhere to sit except for outside of the patio. So we were sitting out on the patio and it's facing the, um, facing the beach and the sun is setting and she had just gotten there. She's like heartbroken. She's crying all the time. She had been with me for about a week and she's sleeping on my couch. And we're sitting outside and we're talking about stuff. We're having a glass of wine. And the sun is setting. And it's like this just amazing sunset. And, you know, we looked at each other and I was like, this is just the best life. Can you believe like we get to be here right now? And it was such a, an amazing moment for us to go like, man, so much stuff is going wrong. And, you know, I never could have imagined being here and this really sucks and I'm not in my relationship anymore. And like, there's so many transitions and you feel so anchorless and then you go, wow, but look at this amazing sunset. We're here, we're laughing, we have a glass of wine, we get to do this. And we're like, this is the best life. This is just the best life. And that's how the, it started. It was just going, can you choose your perception? Is it possible to choose your attitude? Is it possible to choose gratitude when shit is hitting the fan? Like, is that a possibility? And so really the best life is about kind of normalizing and neutralizing a lot of things that are happening behind closed doors that people are maybe unwilling to start to talk about because there's so much shame and embarrassment and fear. And we wanted to talk about our own experiences as permission for other people to feel as though it was normal and it's actually okay. And not only is it okay, but there are things that you can do to make your life even better after tragedy or after something devastating happens or after you're just completely thrown off your path. I mean, what does that look like? So yeah, we're pretty obsessed with bringing on people who have had major transitions in their life, maybe things that came out of nowhere and what are the lessons that they learned and, you know, some of the maybe scariest stuff to talk about. So yeah, it's been really fun. I, and I love it because you say that because I always feel like the best things happen after tragedy. I don't know if you feel that that way, but things that just wreck your life, I feel like there's always a sunnier side afterward. Gosh, it, it, it really is. And it's so hard to see that when you're in it. It is. It is hard. But I do. Your podcast is something I recommend because I feel like as a dietitian or just a health professional, you know, there's all these people holding back so many things. And once they liberate themselves of those and talk about things, then they can start to make transitions in their life. 
I so agree with that. And, and, you know, to me, it was really actually surprising. The first experience I had with being more vulnerable on the internet was in 2011. And I was kind of going through a hard time in marriage. And I just, I was at that time, I was blogging. Jill Fit was about three months old. And I just wrote this blog kind of off the cuff. It was just true of consciousness. And it was about struggle. It was about what I was kind of struggling with. And it was the most vulnerable. Now, looking back, it doesn't even really look that vulnerable to me. But at the time, it felt so vulnerable. And up until that time, it was the most well-received blog that I'd ever written. And meanwhile, I'm writing these long blogs on biochemistry and, you know, macros and all this kind of stuff. And it was just this like stream of consciousness piece that took me like 30 minutes. I pressed publish and then like ran away and hid. And it had garnered the most response up until that point. And I'm like, man, people are really craving this. And that was counterintuitive because I felt like if I shared that I was struggling that it undermined my credibility and as a trainer, as a coach, whatever. And what I saw was people were dying for connection. They were dying to feel less alone in their own struggles and everyone was struggling. So one of the things I always talk about is going like, Hey, if you're insecure, guess what? So is everyone else. Everyone's trying to do the best they can. You might not see it on social media. You might assume that, but you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. And we've had enough feedback from the podcast at this point to know like, Everyone's got something. <laughs> and to me, yeah. to pretend that we don't is doing the world a disservice. Because I think once you acknowledge it, then you go, okay, great. What's the solution here? What's the action? What's the move that I can make to feel more in my power? That is very much true. And that's, I think you've kind of hit on all of those with all of your social media accounts, with your coaching programs that you offer and just your podcast. Like it's a very strong strong system you have going on to help that out. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. Well, and, and I kind of think of just, I was kind of attracted to you through social media just because of that health and wellness atmosphere. And just that, you know, you have such a great realistic way and approach to things. And I think sometimes as dietitians who are listening, we didn't, we shouldn't be fighting with people like you. We should be embracing and working with people like you because you do have a whole set of, values and goals that we can all work together. I would love that. I mean, that to me, that's amazing. I do think, cause what's the goal to me, ultimately the goal is to get people the help that they need. And I think, you know, especially as professionals, if you're listening to this and you're an RD or a nutrition consultant or whatever, and you're thinking, well, I don't really want to share my own stuff because maybe that takes away from, you know, my focus on my client or my focus on my patient or whatever. I think that, I mean, in my experience, what I have found is it makes people so much more trusting to share what's really going on with them. And at that point, then you go, okay, great. Now I can help you a lot more because you feel like we have this connection and this trust between us. Um, You know, it doesn't just feel like they're talking to you about their problems and then you're just judging them, right? It's like, hey, cool. I've been there. Like, I get that. I totally understand. And if you haven't maybe had that experience, you can say that other clients of yours have had that experience. That's a really common experience. Just so that if someone doesn't feel judged, to me, the greatest gift that we can give any of our clients is the gift of non-judgment. I think people are so much more willing to do the work if they feel like they can be messy about it. And so whether it's fitness, whether it's nutrition, whether it's business, I think permission to go like, hey, I don't have it all together. And this might be a little messy. Are you willing to allow me the space to navigate this without having to have all the answers? And the answer is yes, because that's how I am too. And so, you know, I think that we haven't even scratched the surface in terms of the possibilities for authentic communication and related 
kind of like deeper conversation about struggles and vulnerability. But it is scary. I mean, that's the thing. The nature of vulnerabilities is scary. So I think for me, anyway, it's pulling off the bandaid. It's that blog post that I told you about. It's like going, geez, wow, I thought it was not going to be received well. And the, the reality was it really was received well. So when you start getting the affirmation of people want the vulnerability, hopefully you can use that to fuel yourself to do even more of it. That is so true. I get, you know, and it's funny. I tell people kind of the same thing, just like pull the bandaid off, just <laughs> give it to me straight. So I can understand you better and you can understand me better. And that's so true. So true. Well, I, I really think I do direct a lot of people, just even my clients to you and just your social media, because I think that helps a lot of just people that are out there searching the internet and looking at the internet, especially the moderation 365. Thank you. That's super fun. Um, yeah. And and I think that your podcast is very relatable and it is something that's good to be vulnerable and listen to mm-hmm. that. So thank you for all you're doing in the health and wellness and business. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, that means a lot to me. It's like, you know, it's it, sometimes and I'm sure you're the same too, is, you know, when you're working in your business, you're kind of like, it's it's not easy to always feel the impact that you're making. You're like, well, does this even resonate with people? Like sometimes you just you second guess yourself and you have some self doubts. And so it's always nice to hear that it's making a little bit of a, an impact and that, you know, there's something there that people that might help someone. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I have some fun questions okay. for you in our conversation. I ask everybody this stuff. So you need to tell me what are some foods that you enjoy? Kind of like your favorite. Yeah. You know, the cool thing about Moderation 365 is you always eat what you want. And I know it sounds kind of like counterintuitive, but it's not. But, but just because I eat what I want doesn't mean I eat junk food. Um, you get to the point where you feel satisfied off maybe healthier things. And so for me, favorite foods, um, let's say if I had to have like junk food, sometimes I'll eat like I don't know, um, malt balls are some of my favorite, like Reese's Pieces, <laughs> like every once in a while I'll do those. Uh, not like as a cheat meal or anything like that. And I'm not thinking about it moment to moment, but sometimes I'll have some stuff like that. Um, I love dried fruit, which to me is like candy. Um, but for the majority of the time, I, I eat a lot of salads and my salads will have things like cheese and avocado and, you know, maybe nuts or something like that. So to me, it feels really satisfying and really nourishing while I'm getting my vegetables. Um, you know, I do protein bars. I do enlightened bars or halo top or something like that for maybe a healthier dessert option i have a sweet tooth so i'm always trying to figure out ways healthy ways that i can satisfy that and yeah and, and of course wine why i was gonna that was my next question what's your favorite beverage? <laughs> Yeah, my favorite beverage. Well, you know, um, I definitely coffee probably, but I definitely do wine a couple nights a week. Um, love white wine, so like a sincere Sauvignon Blanc, something like that. Nice. Yeah, good way to end wine. <laughs> do you have what's your favorite color? Ooh, it changes all the time. Right now, I'm really loving like a slate or like a dark gray. I'm actually got my nails done, and they're like this like slate mm-hmm. dark gray color, and it looks like really kind of freaky but cool. I'm always wearing black and gray, so. I, you know, I'm kind of with you on that. It's like my favorite color. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a favorite scent? Ooh, favorite scent. So I'm really weird. I actually use... um, a I use like a lavender soap when I take a shower in the morning and I take a I mean I'm sorry a lavender at night to like calm me down I use a peppermint in the morning so like mm-hmm. I'm like really extra where I'll have like two different types of soaps so in the morning like I like the pepper the uh, peppermint to just like wake me up and then I use lavender at night I like that too do you what and when you do you do like essential oils? Are you an essential oil person? I'm not. Or you I know a lot of people are doing no, them right okay. now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like super into it. You're doing it in your soap. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
And what brings you joy in life, Jill? Gosh, you know, what brings me joy in life, I would say, I mean, I'm doing a lot of it right now in my business, but really it's just deep conversations with friends and family. Like I'm someone who secretly like loves debate. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like that kind of stuff. I love confrontation, not from the perspective of like, let's be mean to each other and like, let's like argue. I like it from the perspective of like, I love learning to me. If I'm learning something new, like for example, I'm dating someone, um, we've been dating for a few months now. And he does something that's totally different than what I do. Like so different, like way more tactical, um, way more physical. And I'm like just enamored learning about it. Cause I just like, it's opening up like a whole new world. So I'm constantly asking questions. So for me, it's deep conversation with loved ones, with friends, with family talking about real issues. And if we don't agree, I kind of like that too. Cause I have an opportunity to learn and I'm certainly not attached to what I believe. So what brings me joy is just connecting with family and friends in a really deep way. That that is all about what this podcast is. So that's a great way to end it. And then why don't you share just kind of a little bit, you know, where can we find you? What's some, you know, what are you working on right now? Amazing. Yeah. Thank you um, for that opportunity. So if anyone wants to connect, it's just at Jill Fit on all social media and JillFit.com. If you guys heard something that you wanted to know more about, there's over 700 blogs on JillFit.com. Um, everything from mindset to business to nutrition to fitness. Um, and then the next thing that's coming up for me is I'm actually launching a brand new fitness program called Physique Finishers. I'm really pumped. It's about eight, It's been about 18 months since I've launched my last fitness program. Um, So I'm pumped. That's going to be launching the end of August. And yeah, it's going to be super short, super kind of like hardcore effective workouts for people who don't have a lot of time to exercise. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. I'm I'm so excited. (laughs) It's going to be great. That's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today and sharing all your insight. And I look forward to continue connect with Gosh, you over pleasure. social media and your podcast. Yeah, some great yeah. questions. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I hope you got inspired as I did after listening to my conversation with Jill. She has this fantastic approach of giving away resources and knowledge to her followers for free. And she has many of them on her website as well as offering different goodies through her social media. I recommend her podcast with Janie J. They really discuss real life things we all go through. And the more we talk it out, the more we can help each other and ourselves truly live our best life. My website, annelizabethardy.com, is where you can read the latest posts in my Nutrition Nauseous blog that houses all the stories of my crazy current adventures, some food I'm eating, and the music that makes up my life. I might also include a really delicious real deal recipe that I'm whipping up in my kitchen. And as always, I like to share with you what I'm loving right now. You can find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all these great conversations. And if you're into reading, which I hope you are, you can also purchase my book from the website. Please connect with me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.